just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries, and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today, I'm chatting with Olivia Odie all about complex regional pain syndrome and neural sensitization syndrome. Olivia has been on my wish list to have on the podcast since the very beginning. So I am excited to bring you this episode today. In this episode, Liv talks us through what happened that day at high school when she suddenly couldn't use her legs anymore, the months she spent in a wheelchair with doctors unsure what was going on, what happened when she was finally diagnosed, and how she manages her pain. I think Liv and I spent the afternoon saying, oh my god, that's how I feel, and ah, someone understands, as our tingling sensations and pain medication were very similar. I hope you enjoy this episode. As always, let me know what you think, and welcome to That's So Chronic. I can't remember when it would have been. I feel like I was still studying at drama school when newspapers started picking up your story and a video of yours went viral. And I know that it took a while for you to get diagnosed with complex regional pain syndrome and neural sensitization. Did I say that right? Yes, great job. (laughs) It's a bit of a mouthful. And that's what we're going to chat about today. I was thinking like, oh, where do we even start with all of this? But should we go all the way back to the beginning when you're at school and then literally your whole life just gets flipped upside down? What happened? Okay, yeah, it's a really long story. So I think it's good we start right back there. Yeah, The months before... Just a few months before um, that day at school, I was feeling super tired and run down and just really not myself. I was so active and into water Mm -hmm. skiing and everything and would wake up in the morning and I'm just like, I can't go water skiing. I, I don't know why, I just feel so tired. And anyway, I just carried on. And so one morning, my sister and I were just walking to school like we normally do and I remember halfway I sat down it's like a 10 minute walk it's not even far at all and I sat down and I was like man I really can't breathe today I just I just feel so tired and then I kind of just sat there and then kept going and then I think it was about lunchtime um at school and I went to get my lunch I was in the common room with all my friends and Mm -hmm. we were sitting down and then I just I really felt like I couldn't breathe and I'm not really sure looking back I don't know if it was anxiety at the time or what but um, when I stood up I just collapsed and I couldn't get back up and I think that's when it kicked in and I was just panicking so much because I was like why aren't my legs working why can't I stand up especially in such a public place with a lot of people around I was just like what is happening and it's funny talking about it because I don't really remember 
it super clearly but I know that my mum came straight away and my friends carried me to the car and we got to the hospital and and it was just me and mum and she was like will you be fine to get out of the car I was like yeah yeah like I should be fine and I stepped out of the car in the car park at the hospital and and I just couldn't stand on my legs wow and so that was really scary I was 15 at the time just about to turn 16 wow and so yeah I went and got all the tests done and that day I had no reflexes or anything in my legs but all the standard blood tests things like that they were just like it's normal and were they doing all of the tests like you know flex your foot and press on my hand and yeah could you feel things on your leg um it was really weird because I could feel if someone was touching it but it felt numb or not like my leg like it felt like this different yeah um sensation that I'd never felt before so I could feel it and at the same time I had a lot of intense pain around my hips and uh, my joints which was really weird and I also had tingling in my feet so it was a lot of different feelings that I'd never felt before but yeah I, I could feel them when they were touching them yeah so I think I spent only one night and then the doctor was just like well I don't know you should be walking so here's a wheelchair go to school just by the time you're 18 like maybe it will just get better did they do an MRI or a CAT scan or any of those sort of no nothing nothing like that and the doctor just already felt confident that yeah. you should be fine. Here's a wheelchair. Go. Yeah. And no pain relief. Like, obviously, I was in a lot of pain yeah. um, and nothing. Um, so I went home and I was just like, what is happening? And then I ended up going back a lot of times because it was getting worse and I was uncomfortable and I couldn't walk and I couldn't really do anything. And I kept getting the same doctor and he just kept kind of brushing me off, sending me home. So that whole undiagnosed kind of part was eight months of that. Eight months while you're at school. What would you have been? Year 11? I think I was actually start of year 12. Year 12, yeah. 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 So like exams are happening this year. Yeah, That's massive. And obviously when you are spending time in a wheelchair, your muscles are just degrading so quickly as well. And so eight months felt like the longest time and being that age spending your 16th birthday in a wheelchair and being that age I think was really hard because I didn't know what was going on I I was obviously old enough to understand that something scary was happening Mm. but I didn't know if this was just going to be my life or if something would change I I didn't know if one day I'd just wake up and be like okay it's better now I don't know how did people at school react to this you know one day you're at school seemingly fine and then the next you're there in a wheelchair it it was definitely crazy I when I went back to school I think it was a shock to everyone and I think people didn't really like to say too much to me but I know that a lot of people a lot of my friends were even thinking like oh my god is is she gonna walk again yeah and and that's what I was thinking and I think everyone handled it really well especially for being the age that we were and Mm -hmm. everyone was so encouraging and same with my family they never doubted yeah that I wouldn't walk again but at the same time I think behind closed doors everyone was thinking like oh no what what's gonna happen 
And because there was just no diagnosis. Were they saying that it was all in your head? Like you were making this up? Yeah, I think they got to the point... I mean, it's not like they even did all of the tests that they could have done, but Mm. I think they kind of got to the point where they just didn't know and instead of referring me on which would have been really nice they were just like well there's no mechanical reason right now why you can't walk you don't have a broken leg anything like that all the obvious things and so yeah they did I think write in my notes just psychosomatic diagnosis and my mum's a nurse so she was like no this is not right and she didn't give up which I'm really lucky and grateful for because I think it's hard when people just trust the doctor's word Mm -hmm. and the doctor says, wait till you're 18 and then the parents kind of just say, okay, well, that's what we're going to do. But I'm so, so lucky that my mum was like, no, that's not okay. We're going to find out the reason for this because there has to be a reason that your legs just give way like that. Yeah. So over the eight months of not having any diagnosis back and forth to the hospital how did you keep going to look for more information or look for answers about this well my I had so many different symptoms which I think at the time was really confusing because I was having um, heart palpitations and things going on there and then obviously the leg stuff and so and then I had actually a lot of gut issues as well right and so at the time we were going to people that specialized in that one area And so we go to the gut specialist and they're like, your gut's fine. And I'm like, okay. So then we go to the heart specialist and like, no, no, your heart's fine. And so it was, we were going to people that were really, really knowledgeable in that one area, but no one was looking at the The whole whole picture. Yeah, the whole picture, which I understand now having um, a nervous system disorder, it's, you've got to look at all of the systems that Mm -hmm. work together and and the whole body, not just that one area. That's so amazing. Your mum sounds incredible as well that you guys didn't just give up and go, oh, well, this is just my life now. You eventually went to a cardiologist in Auckland. Is that right? Yes. What happened there? So, yeah, that was on our little journey of going to each person for each different thing. And we actually, we just thought, okay, it's time to get out of our little local bubble and Mm -hmm. mum had heard some good things about this cardiologist who was actually in Auckland so we went up there for an appointment and he was like look your heart's okay but something's not right it's not okay for a 16 year old to be in a wheelchair yeah of course (laughs) um and he knew um so this was Auckland hospital and he knew a pain doctor from Starship who was really really amazing and so instead of just brushing me off he was Like, I'm happy to refer you to um, this pain doctor and we'll see what he thinks. And so I got sent to Starship and that's when things just happened so quickly. I was diagnosed within a couple of days. How did that diagnosis go? Were there tests? How did that look? Well, for the complex pain, it is more a history diagnosis. But the doctor, he took, I think, seven or eight pages of notes and he went so in depth every area of my life and he did do um, the same tests of like the pushing down on your foot and the sensations and stuff and for something like this they also test how you feel things like if it's Ah, sore to touch and if it feels like soft or hard so yeah, we kind of came to the conclusion that my the sensations in my legs were really out of proportion of mm-hmm. what they should be. So 
he got me in well first of all he got me on to some medication so that the pain could be decreased so that I could start the physical rehab so what were those medications um so I was put on gabapentin mm-hmm. in quite high doses I can't remember exactly but I took three tablets three times a day so it was definitely and I think I was on amitriptyline at the same time yeah yeah so yeah. I know a lot about amitriptyline because I'm on that at the moment as well and yes. I know that that it's it's actually quite interesting so I will go on a bit of a tangent about amitriptyline it was essentially an antidepressant for many years and I've stopped prescribing it now for that and it, in low dosages it can actually help nerve pain mm. which is so fascinating to me because I imagine we're quite similar that our pain is definitely there like we're feeling the pain but it's not because we've pulled a muscle or because we've got a bruise or that we've broken a bone like it's not anything like that it is definitely coming from the brain Mm -hmm. which is so fascinating and I imagine that the other medication that you were on was working in a similar way yeah yeah definitely and I think that's the hardest thing with this type of pain because I think we're all brought up to believe like pain is physical Mm. kind of you have a broken bone and you go and get it fixed so it was a whole new thing for me and my mum even as a nurse to understand that no all this pain wasn't in my head but at the same time yes it was because it was in my brain (laughs) and so um, and that's not a bad thing no no so basically what Crips is is it's a nervous system disorder where the messages being sent through your spinal cord and up to your brain are all getting jumbled up and misinterpreted. So all of my messages being sent up to my brain were just being perceived as pain. So even if I was just in the shower and the water was hitting my legs, it was like the most painful thing when it shouldn't have been. Yeah. And so it was just all of those messages getting mixed up along the way somehow, which was really interesting but hard to get my head around because I'd never heard of something like that before but once I learned more about it and understood it I realized how incredible the human body is and how it's just like your brain is so protective of you and it's trying to do the right thing but sometimes like it gets stuck and that's when you can get into all this pain and I think the eight months of the misdiagnosis your body really learns that pattern of being in pain Mm -hmm. and I know it's not good to think like this but I do think that if I got put on the medication and started that rehab earlier it might have been a quicker process to get better because once your body kind of learns all of those patterns it's hard to break them yes yeah I was reading about Crips complex regional pain syndrome and there are two types and sometimes with type 2 it can be if you've actually had an injury to an area mm-hmm. then the nerves haven't well they've become traumatized I guess mm. and so they can be sending these messages because of an injury but you didn't have an injury did you? I had well it's hard to it's hard to tell I did have a few ankle injuries in my left leg okay but I had the grips in both of my legs. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not really sure Yeah. if that... I actually don't know if it's type 1 or type 2, to be honest. Mm. Because there's so many factors yep. that play into it. And I don't know whether it's a, an accumulation of things. But it is interesting that it was in both of my legs, not yep. just the left leg. And then were you diagnosed with 
neural sensitization at the same time when you were in Starship? Yeah, that was the same time. And that is more to do with the sensations of what your legs feel like. Okay. So that's like the water in the shower hitting it. And um, even wearing different types of pants like I couldn't wear jeans or yeah. and it was I think it was winter when it was at its worst and so I was just wearing shorts or you know fat pants or things even wearing shoes was really uncomfortable so and I think I explained it like my legs just didn't feel connected to my hips really they just yeah. didn't feel right or like wow. legs which is really really random to think about but it's crazy how your nervous system can interpret things so much that it makes your own body parts feel foreign a lot of people when they're diagnosed with neural sensitization I was reading they just think that they're losing their mind because Mm. they know that being in a shower shouldn't hurt but it must just I can't even imagine well I can somewhat imagine because I do get sensory things where wearing clothes can be Mm -hmm. really awful but it, it just shouldn't hurt but it is hurting and the pain is real That must have been so scary for you. Yeah, and that's the thing. The pain is real. And I think you kind of do second guess yourself when tests are normal and doctors are saying, oh, you should be fine. But knowing that the pain is real and it's actually way out of proportion to what it should be. So it's actually probably worse than, you know, if you bump your, if I walk past the table and bump my leg, Mm. the normal person is just like, ouch, that hurt. But for me, it's just like, oh my God, that hurts so much. And so I think that's the hard thing is everything is out of proportion to what it should be as well. So it's, it can be really intense. What happened after the diagnosis then in Auckland? Yeah. So I think I started some physio in Starship Mm -hmm. for maybe a week or two. And then I got sent to this children's rehabilitation centre, which is on the North Shore of Auckland. And I was really lucky because it only goes up to the age of 16. So I just made the cut there. Mm -hmm. But that's sort of where everything changed. And I had physio up to three times a day. I was there for three or four months, I think. Um, I had an occupational therapist and just so much support. So I lived in there it was like a live-in mm-hmm. situation and my mum moved up with me your mum's amazing yeah Love she, a is. Good mom. <laughs> she is so yeah I just spent my time and every day was just going to my rehab and getting stronger and so what did the physio look like what were the exercises that you were doing um it started really when I think when I look back at photos of myself in rehab I'm just like, I can't believe I could not do that. Yeah. Um, so it, it really just started with trying to stand up from the wheelchair myself and transferring from the wheelchair to the bed and things like that because I was sort of just flopping myself around and not really doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of pool work, which I really love because the water actually helps the sensitization right. feelings. And obviously you're lighter in water. So I think I actually took my first steps in the pool that must have been so exciting for you yeah it was such a weird feeling because walking is something you don't think about Mm -hmm. everyone just jumps out of bed in the morning and they just know how to walk Mm -hmm. but when I got to the stage of learning to walk again I was on crutches and then one crutch and then assisted and then it was It was just me by myself. And I remember, I couldn't remember how to bend my leg 
at what time and how to like stand up straight and I was kind of dragging one leg and then my hips were I had a really big limp at the end of that but I mean I was walking I didn't care what it looked like when I was walking but it's just so crazy that you actually your brain actually does forget that it's not you would think that it's a natural response like even like riding a bike I had to learn how to ride a bike in the rehab center and I felt like a little kid yeah but the balance and the coordination is just it's just not there anymore Mm -hmm. and so being that age and learning to walk and ride a bike again was a really surreal experience but incredible at the same time what happened after that did you go back home did you go back to school I think I did go back home after that and the school year was actually just coming to an end right so I was kind of trying to teach myself everything and just pass the year from Auckland they did have a school there but it was more for the really little kids that were learning (laughs) to write their names and then I came with my year 12 books and the teacher was kind of like oh I don't know if I can help you so um I think yeah I don't know if I went back to school maybe it was only for a couple of weeks and then I actually because I obviously obviously still walked quite Mm-hmm. funny and I did have a lot of the pain and things okay so the pain was still there yeah the pain was still there I was still on the medication and it was semi-managing it but I would still have days where I was I was really really bad for having a good day and then being like whoa I'm so good and then spending the next three or four days just like why why did I do that and yeah. that's such that's one of the biggest things that I've learned is how to manage that without going crazy and then yeah ending up in bed but I think I'm not sure how we found out about this but there was a course in Wellington called the lightning process and I think my mum had heard from someone someone's mum who their son had been through it and um, had really bad crips and he was actually I think from his neck down wow so and then after this course he was surfing and doing all these all of these things and mum told me it's just a three-day course like should we should we try it and I was I had not gonna lie I was pretty skeptical because I'd spent all this time in rehab and for someone to say a three-day course could yeah like it sounds a bit ridiculous yeah it sounds like (laughs) really not realistic at all so the lightning process is NLP isn't it neuro linguistic mm-hmm. pathways Pass- yeah. pathways yeah I have an interview with Bianca from Neurospark who talks all about this but if you haven't listened to that episode or it's not out yet I am I'm not sure what <laughs> order the episodes come out what what is it so can you describe what this lightning process was it basically is retraining of the brain and when you say this I think a lot of people think it's sort of something to do with hypnosis Mm -hmm. or but it's actually it's really scientific and it's really to do with the pathways that I was talking about that get really muddled up and I didn't even know it was possible but you can actually retrain the pathways the neural pathways in your brain through practice and training and so this is what this course is all about so they teach you it's to do with things the way you think, the way you speak about things. And a lot of it was to do with going back into past memories. So at this time when I did have a big limp, I spent a lot of time going back to a time where I was walking normally, I I was running even, 
and remembering what it felt like and we would tap into all of the senses and really try and feel that mm-hmm. and it was a lot of practice I remember at the start we got taught sort of the process of going back to things and then thinking about how it felt like and really trying to imagine it and I was doing that so many times a day to just really really try yeah. and get it in there and honestly I think by the second night um, my mum and I were walking out for dinner somewhere and I was like mum am I walking a little bit straighter and she was like what the heck <sighs> you are and by the end of it I was walking so much straighter wow. and it was almost like I was able to sounds so funny but I was able to sort of manage the pain myself through the way that I was thinking and going back into these memories and and I was able to have a little bit more control over that myself which yeah. is amazing you don't have to rely on all of these other the medication and everything was definitely helpful but it was really empowering I think to be able to be like okay well I can actually have a bit of control over this by the way that I talk about things as well. And did that continue after you finished the three-day course? Did you keep doing what you were learning and did you notice significant change? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, The people that get the most out of it, I think, continuously practice it. And even to this day, I'm aware um, of the way that I think and talk about things. And I think it's sort of like a never-ending journey and now with um what I'm studying I'm so interested in the nervous system and how you can retrain the pathways and everything so I think it's really if I didn't go through that I wouldn't have um known how yeah interesting and how much how passionate I am about it as well you mentioned before that when you were having all of the symptoms right at the beginning when you were still at school you were having a lot of gut problems Mm -hmm. what was then happening with that because a lot of this feels like it's focusing on the legs and that's mm-hmm. amazing. But with the other problems, were you, did you notice changes there as well? So with the complex pain, basically, so there's two parts to your nervous system. So you've got the parasympathetic nervous system, which is what you want to be in most of the time. And that's the resting, digesting. Um, and then there's the sympathetic, which is what you're in when, you've, when you're in pain. Yeah, um, fight or flight Fight mode. or flight. And you just your body's just under a lot of stress and that um, affects lots of different body organs. So now with all this information I could see, okay, I was having heart palpitations because I was, you know, when you, if you're getting chased by a tiger, you're like, oh my God, shit, I've got to run. (laughs) And so your heart races, you don't want to digest your food properly because you're in danger, your body's in a state of stress. So everything started to make sense the not being able to breathe I thought I had a problem with my breathing and now I think it was anxiety of my Mm -hmm. body was in such a stressed state so it was quite funny going to all of those different doctors and then at the end of the day I realized it was all a nervous system thing yeah it's all connected it's eh? all connected yeah and so all of those things as I started to desensitize my system all of those things started to come right as well. So it was a really cool thing seeing that I'd changed this. I'm 
focusing on this for my legs, but it's actually helping everything yeah. else at the same time. So it all started when you were 16. How, when did you go to Wellington? How old would you have been then? Um, I think probably 17. Okay, so that yeah, was yeah. all in the same year. Yeah. What happens next? Was the raw food journey part of your health journey as well? Yeah, I think so. It's funny because before I got sick, I wasn't super into health. I was just a normal, you know, I ate what mum gave yeah. me and I was just, I didn't really think too much about it. I was active, but I wasn't super into it really. And before I got sick, I thought when I graduated, finished school, I thought, I'll go and do commerce. I'll do, I took all the subjects at school was like commerce, um, young enterprise, yeah, um, all of that kind of yeah. thing. Um, and then when I got better again, I was just like, no, I wanted I want to help people and I want to do something in health and probably natural medicine mm-hmm. kind of natural health and through the journey of getting well again I started getting really interested in healthy food and like yoga and all of that yoga was actually a huge part of my rehab as well and so the raw chef training I was super passionate about food and um I was before that I was working at a cafe that was really focused on whole foods and I was doing the stuff for the cabinet and I was just loving it so Mm -hmm. I saw this I think it was a it was about a month course in Ubud in Bali which is like my favorite place yeah and it also it didn't just teach you how to make the food but it taught you a bit about nutrition and Mm -hmm. lots of different aspects of health And so I thought, well, that would be really cool to go and do. Yeah. And I'd been to Bali before, so I was obviously pretty keen to go back again, (laughs) any excuse. Um, So I went there by myself and I just lived there for over just over a month, I think it was. And it was amazing. I learned so much there. They have an Uber. They just have such a big scene for yoga and health and everything. So I think even being in that environment just inspired me so much but I think that's what really got me into wanting to create recipes and help people through the food they eat as well because I think everything goes together and the things that helped me wasn't just my medication and yeah. um, my rehab it was changing my whole lifestyle basically. Wow yeah I am aware that all of this did happen it is a coincidence that Crips and neural sensitization came about after you had a vaccine with you know when with risk of not being sued on the podcast I won't name the name of the company but there have been a few newspaper articles come out that you do believe that it could have possibly been because of that or it is a huge coincidence that this has happened I'm interested in what happened when you sort of came to this realization Did you talk to doctors about it? Did you tell people what happened next? Yeah, it's definitely a huge can of worms, this topic. (laughs) And I think whenever I talk about it, there's obviously going to be people um, who really don't agree with it. But Mm -hmm. I I didn't come to the realisation myself. I think it was a homeopath or uh reflexologist I was going to someone when I was in the wheelchair and she was sort of looking at my timeline of events and thinking trying to figure out what may have caused it and I had the vaccine a few months before everything started to happen 
and I'm not anti-vax in any way. My mum was actually a practice nurse at the time, so she was giving this vaccine as a job. Yeah, and um, just for the record, I am not anti-vax either. I think vaccines are extremely important for society. So yeah. that's where we're both at. <laughs> yeah. And I never really thought too much about it. I just, I actually didn't get it at school. I waited because I think it is 14 that you get it offered yeah. to you at. Yeah. And so I, I must have got it when I was 15 and I didn't get it at school. I got it at the doctor's surgery. And yeah, when I, when we started to do the research, um, I started to read a lot of stories from girls in the same boat with the similar things. Everyone does have different, everyone's bodies react differently yeah. to it. So, but there was, yeah, there was another girl in my rehab center that had very similar symptoms and wow. she had had all three. Luckily, I just had one out mm-hmm. of the three and I, I honestly don't know why. I just, mum was like, oh, you need to go get your next one. And I don't know why, I just was like, mm. I don't know. I just and this is when I didn't hadn't put any information yeah. together, but I was like, Oh, I don't really know if I want to and so I didn't. But I think I'm really lucky that I didn't because mm-hmm. if it did have something to do with it, three vaccines would have obviously been a, a lot worse than yeah. the one. But the hard thing is is that you can't prove it. There's no blood test that can be like, Oh yep, that's what yeah. caused it. You, I saw on your Instagram recently, probably a couple of months ago, that the pain is creeping back in. What's happening? Yeah, well, um, I think it was just after I came back from Bali. I was at the gym and I was doing a deadlift and I just injured my lower back. Probably not the best form maybe or mm-hmm, yeah. lifting too heavy. But So that was just, again, an injury that should have just healed with a little bit of physio and there was nothing too too it wasn't like I popped a disc or anything I I strained my back and there was a a slight little protrusion thing but Mm -hmm. nothing major and so after physio after a few months of physio it wasn't getting better and I was just thinking to myself like oh no here we go again kind of thing and I think what happened was obviously with an injury like that again it's sort of like a shock to the nervous system and because it's so protective and it really mm. wants to protect me, it kind of brought everything back. Oh, and no. I think having such an intense pain like that, it sort of re-triggered a lot of those pathways and it just started not only in my back, but it started to get that pain and the tingling back into my legs and oh, my no. feet. Yeah. And so that was a really scary time because mm-hmm. I'd spent you know a couple of years thinking I had fit this thing yeah. and I was doing amazing I was running and I didn't really have any problems at all so I thought that was completely behind me and I kind of had pushed it under the rug and I didn't really talk about it a lot and I was just like okay hey, that's that's over with yeah and so when this came back I was just like oh no like yeah. so I've been doing a lot of work with pain physios and pain psychologists and stuff as well, which has been amazing because I think with pain, like there's, there needs to be that multidimensional approach to things and it definitely is getting better. And I'm also learning how to manage it a bit better than the first time because I guess I understand it 
as well, which yeah. really helps. But I think um, the first time around, I kind of did what I had to do and then just kind of tried to forget about it. Mm-hmm. So I've, I'm learning things now that I can apply for a very long time to, to help me manage things, which is really, really good. And I, you know, maybe I didn't learn the lesson the first time. Yeah. But yeah, I'm managing it. Are you still taking medication for all of this? Um, I was on nortriptyline um, since that injury last year. Okay. And so that's similar to the amitriptyline, but it gave me such crazy dreams. Oh, no. And <laughs> it was, you know, I was just having really horrible nightmares and just graphic yeah. dreams. And I just got to the point where it was a low dose and I just thought, oh, I don't know, is it actually helping or is it just making me have really shit sleep? Yeah, so, and then you're getting stressed and yeah. you're not sleeping. Yeah. yeah, so at the moment I'm just taking like a CBD oil and yeah. that's all. So it feels really good to kind of be at that stage again, but at the same time I've still got the pain, so I've just got to see, yeah. see what my options are again. So when you say you've still got the pain, how does that look for you at the moment? in 2020 what sort of symptoms do you have yeah well now it's definitely it's not an everyday thing Mm -hmm. um which is great yeah but it's still that same thing of I have a great day and I wake up and I'm like okay let's go let's go to the gym let's go for a walk let's do this and then I will feel the effects from that so if I do too much my body's really good at telling me that I have done too much Mm -hmm. and so I'll get the joint pain in my hip and The sensations will feel really painful again. The tingling will just... The tingling has always been there. It's yeah. actually never gone away, but it will intensify. And yeah, a few wee niggles and things in my back as well. But mostly that will only happen if I've done something to flare it up. And okay. because it is a nervous system type pain, there are a lot of things, you know, like I spent a lot of time getting really angry that this pain was back. And so... I mean, anger and all of those emotions is going to flare up the pain. Mm, so yeah. I've really had to learn how to kind of just accept and not resist it so much and be like, okay, well, I've woken up with this sore leg. I can do what I can, but I'm not going to get so pissed off about it because yeah. that's going to just make it worse, which is a hard thing. And also um, because it's not a broken bone or a mechanical issue, something that my mum always says to her patients as well is, it's hurt but not harm so it's really sore but me going and doing going for a walk when it's really sore and it feels like my legs are like not connected to my hips it's not actually doing me any harm it's the system is turned up and all the messages are going crazy but I'm okay I don't have to go to the hospital you know Yeah. yeah yeah if you could go back and talk to 16 year old Liv who's in a wheelchair, at school, so confused and scared about the future, if you could say something to her, what would you say? Oh, that's a really good question, actually. (laughs) Um, I think, actually, which is quite a different response to what I would have said maybe a couple of years ago, but 16-year-old Liv was so positive to the point where she didn't let herself feel anything okay and I think that was great and my recovery being such a positive one um 
I think that definitely did help as well. But at the same time, I would probably say that it's so important to let yourself feel things. I mean, you're 16, you're in a wheelchair, you can be pissed off. You don't have to just be like, okay, I'm going to focus on all of the positive things today. Like, it's okay. And I think that's something that I've really learned because with the pain coming back, I've realized I didn't process things back then because I just tried to just put on this big smile and be like, no, I'm good, I'm good. And, you know, I, I had a psychologist in the rehab center and they did an assessment on me and to all the questions I was like no no I'm good I'm good right I'm good. yeah and so I think I would say to myself at that age and to anyone going through anything like being positive is amazing and it definitely does help your recovery but letting yourself feel your emotions and process things and talk about things is so important and it will catch up on you if you try and bottle it up so I think that's probably what I'll tell myself wow an incredible message and an absolutely incredible story thank you so much for sharing with the podcast today thank you oh amazing And thank you for listening to another episode of That's So Chronic. Isn't Liv incredible? If you want to find out more about Liv or anything we've talked about in this episode, you can find it in the show notes or send me a message. I'm at That's So Chronic on Instagram. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, follow on Spotify, leave a review and tell everyone you know. I know I say this every single time, but that truly helps me to get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and more importantly, hope.